0: Verse 27. Just want to wish my wife uh, a hello. She's probably watching right now. Uh, We love you there in uh, Thailand. My wife is in Thailand right now. And uh, she's traveling all over and, uh, you know, getting some things prepared and ready. We went through a long, uh, I guess you could say stressful uh, month. Just recently, and for those of you who may not know, uh, we found my my wife found her mom, and she had not found her for 40 40 years, and she came into contact with her. And so, uh, believe me when I say, not meeting your mother for 40 years takes a lot out of you. It takes a lot out of you, and there's a lot of holes that you know, as we say, voids that <coughs> emotionally looking to be filled. And so th- she found it. But then we came back, and so one of the ladies offered to her, said, hey, why don't you go with me? Let's just get away for a, a couple, about a week and a half. She goes, you know what? I really need it. Said, yeah, go for it. I got the kids. Don't worry about it. I'm the greatest dad of all time. It's because you guys have been helping me. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. My sister wasn't down for the weekend. Thank you, sister. You know, I've had Carrie. They've been helping me. Uh, Connie, I'm like, all right, I could do this, amen, but um, I love it, uh, I've been uh, taking my kids to school every morning, and uh, you know, it's been, been really, really great, really awesome, and so love you, have a great time there in Thailand, she'll be back on Thursday, for those of you that have been wondering about it, she will be back on Thursday, it's also great to have Pastor Carlos and Athena with us as well from the city of Stockton, we appreciate you guys uh, coming and being a part. Uh, here And uh, it's really good. For those that have been wondering, yesterday the champions were the city of San Jose. San Jose won ball for hope, And, um, you know, the rest of us, we're hurting. We're just hurting right now. I may not wander from this pulpit. I don't know. I might get adrenaline. I may or may not. But uh, I know I'm on the outside, like, hey, Pastor's smiling. But on the inside, oh, trust me. It hurts. It hurts. But I've got hope. John chapter 14, verse 27. If you got it, say, "Mm mm-hmm. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Father, remove me, place your Holy Spirit behind this pulpit, in the mighty name of Jesus. We all said, Amen. before you're seated, shake your neighbor's hand and tell them, do not be afraid. You may be seated. For those of you that are visiting with us for the first time here today, we're excited that you're able to be with us on this Sunday. and We pray that you can be with us every Sunday. For those that are turning tuning in on Facebook or YouTube or wherever you're at all over the world. Uh, we love that you're able to be with us. We pray that you can come and connect with us here anytime. If not, we understand you're overseas, but you can connect with us there on social media. Uh, subscribe, click on the like, share it, let everybody know what is happening here. I want to share a story with you that I heard. And as I heard it, it really touched my heart, and I pray that it touches your heart. It says years ago, There was a very wealthy man who, along with his devoted son, shared a passion for art collecting. Together, they traveled around the world, adding only the finest art treasures to their collection. Priceless works by Picasso, Van Gogh, Monet, and many others adorned the walls of the family estate. The widowed father looked on with satisfaction as his only child became an experienced art collector. But the day came when war engulfed the nation and the young man left to serve his country. After only a few short weeks, his father received a telegram that his beloved son had been killed while carrying a fellow soldier to a medic. On Christmas morning, a knock came at the door of the old man's home. And as he opened the door, he was greeted by a soldier with a large package in his hand. He introduced himself to the man by saying, I was a friend of your son. I was the one he was rescuing when he died. May I come in for a few moments? I have something to show you. The soldier said, I'm an artist, and I want to give this to you. As the old man unwrapped the package, the paper gave way to reveal a portrait of his beloved son. Though the art critics would never consider the work a piece of genius, the painting did feature the young man's face in striking detail and seemed to capture his personality. The following spring, the old man became ill and he passed away. The art world was filled with anticipation because according to the man's will, all of the artworks were to be auctioned. The day soon arrived and art collectors from around the world gathered to bid on some of the world's most spectacular paintings. The auction began with a painting that was not on any museum's list. It was the painting of the man's son. The auctioneer asked for an opening bid, The room was silent. Who will open the bidding with $100, he asked. Minutes passed with not a sound from those who came to buy. From the back of the room, someone called out, Who cares about that painting? It's just a picture of his son. Uh, It's just a picture of his son. Let's forget about it and let the important paintings come. Other voices echoed in agreement, but the auctioneer replied, No. We have to sell this one first. Now, who will take the son? Finally, a friend of the old man spoke. He says, I knew the boy, so I'd like to have it. I'll start the bidding at $100. The auctioneer said, I have a bid for $100. Who will go any higher? After a long silence, the auctioneer said, going once, going twice, gone. Then the gavel fell. Cheers filled the room, and someone said, now we can get on with it. But the auctioneer looked at the audience and announced that the auction was over. Stunned in disbelief, quiet filled the room. After a few moments, someone spoke up and asked, what do you mean it's over? We didn't come here for a picture of some old guy's son. What about all the paintings? There's millions of dollars worth of art here. We demand that you explain what's going on. The auctioneer replied, it's very simple. According to... To the will of the Father, whoever takes the Son gets it all. Whoever gets the Son gets everything. See, my friend, hope is the assurance of something that is yet to come, and it's something to look forward to. The Bible puts it like this in 1 John chapter 5. It says, and this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is the life in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. See, my friend, Jesus is the source of our hope. And the one who has the Son has it all. See, this word all, what does this mean? See, this word all means all of the promises. Somebody say promises. The Bible is filled with over 7,000 promises. If you walked in here without a promise, I guarantee you can leave here with a promise. No matter your situation, no matter what you're going through, you can be going through hell, you can be going through high water, but my friend, if you can hold on to the promise, then you can keep going. You can make it. Tell your neighbor, you can make it. See, one of the first promises that the Bible gives is the promise of a new life. Somebody say new life. This new life in Christ means that we now know what God is like. See, when Christ came, came, he gave us a living picture of who God is. See, when Christ came, he came and he put a face on God. That's what Christ did. When Christ came down here, he put a face on who God is. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 1, it says, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and things on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him, and for him for he is before all things and him in him all things hold together this means this is what it means by the incarnation god came to earth wrapped in a human body the god of heaven came to live among us so that we could now know what he's really like he came to teach us he came to die so that we can be forgiven he rose from the dead to help us that we can be then again rise the open doors of heaven came through him now i want you to imagine for a minute what the world would be like if god in the form of jesus christ if he had never come to earth if christ would have never came we'd never have half the bible we'd never have half the bible if christ would have never came we wouldn't heard about the love of a personal god god would have never visited the world and we would have never had this hope of returning Mary Magdalene would have died in her sin. Matthew would have still been a traitor to his countrymen. The Roman soldier would have continued in his cruelty. Peter, James, and John would have done nothing more with their lives than fishing for a living. The Apostle Paul would have never been more than a cruel Pharisee, steeped in legalism with an unrelenting demand for perfection from other people. The people who had needed a healing at Christ's time would have never gotten their healing, and they would have died in their brokenness. The lame would have stayed lame, the blind would have remained blind, and the deaf still would never have been able to hear. Without Jesus, we wouldn't have got these words in John chapter 14. It says, peace I leave with you. May the peace I give you, I do not give it to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. See, my friend, without Christ coming to this earth, there would be no hope. There would be no hope without Christ coming to this earth. See, we talk about heaven, but the reason why we talk about one day going to heaven is because he came from heaven to earth. He became the open door to get there. See, this is why we sing songs even at Christmas, songs like Emmanuel, God with us. He came over 2,000 years ago, and this is the great thing about it. He came over 2,000 years ago, and yet he's still here right now. That's the great thing I love about it. See, is that when we talk about Christ, we don't have to talk about him like he was just alive back 2,000 years ago. We could talk about him like he's right here. See, that's the great thing about our God, about your God, about my God. My God is not dead. He is. Your God is not dead. He is. He's alive. That's the hope that we have that one day we're going to see our loved ones face-to-face. Can I hear an amen? See, we have a God who cared enough to come and show us what he was like and what his love was like. See, my friend, he was a friend of sinners. He was a friend of failures. Has anybody ever failed before? Has anybody ever felt like a failure before? Know this, God's your friend. See, you got to know this. You have friends that stop becoming your friends when they see your failures. The moment many of us have ever failed at anything, all of a sudden, our circle gets smaller. And then we start coming up with cute memes and cute quotes to put on our pictures when we take of ourselves. Haters gonna hate. Duck lips. Can't get none of this. Can't eat at this table. Right? And it's like, oh, all right, I'm I'm letting people know. But in all reality, what we're really trying to do is we're trying to let people know, I'm still good. I'm still all right. When in all reality, the Bible says, if you don't have Christ, you don't have hope. You are without it. You're trying your best. You're trying your best to look good. You're trying your best to to put on the facade. That's the generation we live in. But I'm telling you right now, the Bible makes it very clear that if you don't have Christ, you don't have hope. And I don't know about you, but I cannot walk out these doors without hope. The world is trying to destroy me. The world is trying to discourage you. The world is trying to take you out. So my friend, if I were you, before you leave here, do not leave this room, do not leave this auditorium without the hope of Jesus Christ. He is the greatest hope of all time, and you need that within your life. Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. See, when Christ came, he taught us not to use the values of this world to determine our worth. In Matthew chapter 20, verse 16, it says, so those who are last are now to be first, and those who are first will be last. Like, wait a second. That doesn't make any sense. That guy was first. He should get the prize. But God says, no, the last shall be first. See, he taught us that our value to God is more important than what anybody else thinks of us. So you got to know this, my friend. Listen to me. For those of you that are looking for value and worth in the world, I'm going to tell you right now, that value and that worth is like the Dow Jones. It's up one day and it's down the next. So if you're looking for value and with the world values, my friend, you're going to be let down very easy. Has anybody ever watched that, the Antique Roadshow, I think it is? It's called the Antique Roadshow. Well, you know what I really lo- like about that show? It's a trip because these people go and they travel all over and they go to garage sales. They'll go to garage sales and they'll buy certain things for like a dollar. Hey, I'll buy that. I'll take that right there. No, because in them, they're looking at it and they go, if this person only knew what they had in their garage. And they're going, they'll buy it like five bucks. I'll take that. And the person's not tripping. Like, get this out of my garage. I don't want this. And they'll take it and they'll clean it up and they'll get it ready. And all of a sudden, that thing that they bought for $5 was worth 5000 You ever seen that? And you're, like, and you're watching the show, and you're like me, like, oh, I'm going to a garage right now. That's what I think. I'm like, ooh, my neighbor's garage. You better not leave that open because I'm looking right now. See, when I see this happen, I think about how God takes people who aren't seen as valuable by the world and he places a high value on them because that's who he is. See, God can take the foolish things of the world and he puts a high value on them. He puts a high value. Look at some of you, you were ex-drug addicts, ex-gang members, ex-inmates. Some of you were just ex-nobodies. Maybe some of you were like me, just ex-self-centered people. Just all into yourself. But that's the great thing about it. You're an ex. You ain't that no more. Because God went and got you out of that garage, and he says, hey, the world don't value you. The world don't. But come on over here. Let me shine you up. Let me pick you up. Let me turn your life around. Let me, let me give you some value. Let me, put some, let me put some worth inside of you. And all of a sudden, now everyone looks and goes, I want that. I want what they got. And say, well, you want to know what I got? I got Christ. It's Christ who lives in me. That's the value that I've got. I can't tell you how many times I've been to so many different family reunions within my life. Now, uh, looking here, we had a great uh, family come together. We were able to celebrate Sister Irma's 88th birthday. There's a lot of them. There's a ton of them. I related with them because I also have a big family. I'm Mexican too. Amen. I don't know what it is about it, but man, Latinos, my gosh, they needed direct TV back in those days or something, yeah, watch television, <laughs> I just found out my wife, for those of you who may not know my wife, uh, she grew up with literally only two cousins, that's all she had her whole life, two cousins, uh, uh, two aunts, and an uncle who wasn't really an uncle, he was just like a, like a close friend. So that's all she had her, her whole life. We've just found her mom for 40 years. She found out, we found out, she's got over 300 cousins. She really is Mexican, amen. <laughs> and I, I don't mean like, oh, it's my cousin's friends. No, 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 She's from Queretaro. They're in Mexico. And really, they, they literally don't have TV. They didn't have TV. I know we say it as a joke, but it's a truth. And so for them... You know, they, they, they make, uh, uh, um, you know, they kind of, they have kids to work on the farms. That's what they do. They just, give, give, hey, all right, I made another one, or a worker. I don't care if you're two years old. Start walking right now. Pick them up. We're going, make the crops. Let's go. Let's do this. That's what I found out. It's true, right, for those of you, that, right? It's true. Every time I go to a family reunion, I come and they see me, and they look at me, and without fail, without fail, they give me a different look every single time. They're probably even watching right now going, yeah, they're probably looking at me different right now. I know you are, Theo. I I see you watching right now. They just look at me different every single time. You know why? This is what I found out. They're trying to figure out a way how to talk to me. Because they can't talk to me in front of everybody because they don't want to show that they're going through it. But as the party begins to wind down, the reunion begins to wind down, and for them, the party's about to go up, they know that that's the time for me to go down. The party goes up, Stevan's going to leave, but I got to talk to him before he leaves because when they see me, they see change. Every time, without fail, ask my wife, without fail, I'm leaving. Hey, Stevon, come here, can I talk to you real quick? Can you pray for me? Can you pray for me? Look, I'm really going through this. and You know, really happening. I'm going to have surgery. i got my, you know, your cousin. You know, you know, just between me and you. Every time. You know why? Because when they see me, they see light and darkness. When people see you, can they see light and darkness? Or is it just darkness wherever you go? See, that's the thing. When you have Christ, you have automatic light and darkness automatic you can be going through it they don't see your situation all they see is light so you got to know that as a Christian you can be going through it you can be feeling it it could be hurting it could be pain but I'm telling you if you got Christ no matter where you go people see the light inside of you the light they see is the light of hope come on give the Lord a hand of praise Another reason why we have this promise is because it also means that our sins can be forgiven. Isn't that great? Your sins are forgiven. Somebody here in this room might not forgive somebody else, but know this. Jesus forgives you. Christ forgives you. It's very difficult for men to forgive others. You know, we say that a lot. I'll forgive them, but I ain't going to forget. Just so you know, without going into a long you know exposition on that forgetting is a part of forgiving that's why the bible says he throws your your sins into the sea of forgetfulness so it's a part of it so if you ever say "Oh, i forgive him i just ain't gonna forget then you haven't forgiven him you haven't because you you need to know this christ looks at you and all your sins and he forgets them it's not that they didn't happen. No, you did that. You did that thing. You said that thing. You went through those places. You did that, and you hurt God. But yet God still says, I forgive you. You know why? Because that's a promise. It's a promise. God forgives you no matter what. Doesn't that make you feel good? I don't know about you, but I feel great with that one. Like, oh, my God, thank you, Lord. My God. All the married couples should have said amen on that one right there. Right? Because there's some times where you're going through it even with your spouse, and you could tell, like, okay, where where are we at right now? Are we good right now? Is everything great? Is is she going to remember what we just did? Because hopefully I can walk in the room, and if she doesn't say anything, maybe she forgot. You know what I've learned? She didn't forget. And then this is the crazy thing, because she didn't forget. Okay, now I'm going to start remembering what she did, and then we're going to go on this, and I'm going to make it. You, know, you make your list. I'm going to make my list too. And then one day we're going to come together, and we're going to bust out the list, and we're going to say which list is longer and which list is better. Ta-da! <laughs> and yet, you know, the crazy thing is that God's list is even longer about you. God's list is huge. And yet he never busts out a ta-da. He just says, what list? I don't don't know what you're talking about. I I have no idea. What what do you mean? All, All I see is your future. All I see is your destiny. All I see is your calling. All I see is your purpose for your life. And when you begin to see, when you begin to see what God sees, oh my gosh, it changes your whole life. That's called hope. Look at your neighbor and say, hope. What would it be like if God would have never relieved you of your guilt? That would be crazy. That would be crazy. But Jesus came in and he has forgiven you and I through the grace that Christ came to offer. See, we know the freedom that forgiveness brings, and because of what we can we can do, we can forgive others and ourselves. And the reason for this is that we have experienced the liberating forgiveness that Christ came to give us. The Bible says in John chapter 3, verse 16, for God so loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son, that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. If Jesus wouldn't have come, there wouldn't be a Savior. Oh, my gosh. Think about that right there. If Christ didn't come, we wouldn't have a Savior. But because he came, we can get saved. There can be a Savior. You can get saved right here, right now, no matter your situation, no matter what you're feeling. There is a saving grace that you can have. If Christ didn't come, only laws would have to be obeyed. There would be no talk of forgiveness and reconciliation. Grace would not be a word in our vocabulary. We would talk about justice and people getting what they deserved, rather than finding mercy with God. But this is more than forgiveness. It's also about transformation within our lives. Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, it says, So all of us who have had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. See, my friend, Christ came to save, but he also came to clean. He came to save, but he also came to clean. You can know this. Christ can change your heart, and he can also clean your heart. That's the great thing I love about that. Christ came to save us, and he came so that we can be cleaned. This is very important. Because a lot of us come to church with a lot of dirt in our lives. We come to church with a lot of dirt within our finances, dirt within our marriages, dirt within our families, dirt from our past. We have a lot of dirt within our lives. And so we come and we tend to think, okay, I'm going to come to church and I'm going to have a feel good moment. I'm going to have a feel-good time. And I don't know about you, but I love coming to worship service. I love coming to see uh, Brother Vince dance. You ever see Vince dance? He's like, the ground is shaking. And I'm like, all right, let's shake it. All right, I like that. And I, I feel good, right, when you see Vince and you see the worship team up here, you see Pastor Toby, Pastor Manuel, like, all right, if they could do it, I could do it. And you feel good when you're in this atmosphere. Right feels great. You're like, "Yeah, I love it. oh, pastor powerful preaching, pastor. Oh, I I felt it right here." And so this is a good atmosphere. But when you leave here, the atmosphere stays here. And all of a sudden you're like, "Man, God can't forgive me. God can't help me." See, in here, oh yeah, I feel good. I feel clean. But out there, the club is calling. The bottle's calling. The joint is calling. Those friends are calling. Those things are calling. And so all that stuff, see, while you're in here, you can sense and see what is clean. But out there, oh, I don't know. I'm not sure. But I'm here to tell you something. You don't have to have Jesus only on a Sunday morning. You can take him wherever you go. Whatever you're going through, whatever you've got, Christ is the Christ of hope. Can I hear an amen? See, all of this is for one grand purpose and which leads us to this. And with this, I get ready to close. I want to ask you a question. Do you know what it is like to know that something is yours even though you have to wait for it? Do you know what it's like to have something that is yours but you have to wait for it? This is what you call the the in-the-box principle. The the in-the-box principle. What I mean by that is this. Every Christmas, we have the the in-the-box principle. We go to the tree, and what do we see? Boxes, presents, wrapped. Now, when I was younger, one of my favorite things to do was to look for any gifts that my mom was going to give me. I wanted to get them early. Right? I just, I want to get them early. Some of you are still kids because you still do the same thing. You don't have to tell me what you're going to get me unless you want to. Just, just wait. Just wait. It's not even Thanksgiving yet. Just wait. But as a kid, I remember I, w- I would go and I would look and I'd be looking around. And I remember one time in the garage, my mom put all the gifts. And she put all the gifts, they were already wrapped, ready to go. And like the great kid that I was, I started looking around. And I looked and I found the gift. And I was looking for my name. Right? I saw Stephanie. Eh, who cares about that? Val, I don't want that. It's pink. Get that out of here. I don't want that. Okay, where that? Ah. Oh, and when I saw my name, first thing I do, because I want to know. I want to know what's in there. It's for me, but I can't open it yet. But I know it's coming because Christmas is coming. So because Christmas is coming, it's for me. So since it's for me, maybe I should just open it right now. It's gonna be mine anyways. Right? It's gonna, you're gonna have heaven, so you might as well, but God says, no, you gotta wait. You gotta wait. Okay, but you're going to give it to me. God says, no, 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 you need to wait. Because I want to teach you what hope really is. I want to show you what hope really is. The anticipation of the unraveling. See, right now, you know what hope is? Hope is unwrapping with your heart, but still waiting to unwrap it with your eyes. That's what hope is. So, you say, okay, I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna get there. It's gonna happen. I'm gonna take it. But right now, I can wait. I can wait. Listen, the Bible says, do not awaken love too early. Do not awaken love before it's time. So, for those of you, and I'm saying that for this reason this is the context I'm using that. For those of you that are single, just wait. You're gonna be just fine. I mean, but he's going to be my husband anyways. Why can't we just, you know, we're going to, we're, come on, she's going to be my wife. You know what's up. Can't we just. <laughs> I, I had a friend of mine, we were actually having a good conversation, and this is the analogy he told me. He goes, hey, you know, but you want to take the car, the car out for a driving test before you take it off the, the driving lot, right? You want to take it out? And I went, what? He said, oh, yeah, you know, you, just want, you want to test drive the car, you know, make sure it's, a, it's the kind of test drive that that's the kind of car you want to have, you know. That's why, you know, we do what we do. And I went, so she's a car? <laughs> well, no, but you know what I mean. I go, no. But I've heard that analogy quite a few times. Now, this is the crazy thing. It's a two-way thing because the guy sees the woman as a car and also the woman allows herself to be seen as a car. It's a two-way thing. Never is it, well, it's just a guy. No, it's not. Don't say that. Don't do that. Don't do that at all, ladies. Your value is what Christ says, not what the world says. So you then have to see through Christ's eyes. Don't allow anybody to unwrap the gift before it's time. Teach them the way that this gift is worth it. Mm, mm, mm. Spirit of MC Hammer, can't touch this. Boom. <laughs> Ain't Christmas for you yet. Now, this is the crazy thing. I know I say it in a humorous way, but every day this kind of stuff happens. Every day, girls and guys, they don't know their worth. Because you're looking for hope and looking for love in all the wrong places. And Christ says, look, if you will just look for your hope in me, you will find that your worth is valuable. It's more valuable than what any guy can ever give you, more valuable than what any girl can ever give you, more valuable than what any boss can give you in a check form than any money. I'm telling you, when you see your hope and you see your value in Christ, then, my friend, you're going to see something brand new. You are going to see something great. You're going to see something tremendous, magnificent. Why? Because that's how God sees you. God sees you as a great man of God, as a powerful woman. you got to see it the way God sees it. See, my friend, Christ put his name on you. He put his name on you. Christ has value in you. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 13, as it comes to the piano, says, but we are looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth that he has promised, a world filled with God's righteousness. See, because of this, we can experience God's forgiveness, God's promises, God's greatness, God's power, and that's where you want to put your hope. Listen, I'm going to tell you right now, my friend, if you're going to put your hope in your job, your job is going to let you down. Matter of fact, that's why many of you, Many of you are coming and you're saying, Pastor, please pray for me. I'm about to get another job. What you're looking for is you're trying to look for a tangible job, When in all reality, you should not be looking for the job to be your source. God says, I am your source. Your job is your resource. Money is a resource. It's not the source. And when you understand that, it changes everything. See, some of you are saying, Well, Pastor, I want to get married. We should get married. We got to get married. He said, No, 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 no. That guy, he's just gonna be a resource. That girl is going to be a resource. Even for the rest of your life, that's what they are. They are a resource. When you understand that, it changes the way you see the source. Because love, I'm telling you right now, I've been married now for a few years, and I have learned some days I love my wife, and other days. I love my wife. We don't always see eye to eye. And if I'm honest, sometimes our emotions, my emotions, they get the best of me. Oh, man, oh, I don't even want to be around her right now. What is, how could, to, like, that's the way I see it. And so because of that, like the Bible says, love is fickle, right? Like, yeah, I want to be around you the next I get away from me. I don't want to talk to you. Oh. And so all of a sudden, you're like, man, I, why am I feeling it? Like you know why? Because God gave you those feelings. He gave you those. That's fine. It's okay. But the thing is, don't put your source in the resource. My wife is a resource of God's love. And when I understand that, it changes the way I love her. No, I know I said it to you in a humorous way, like, I love my wife. But I'm going to be honest with you. I have learned to love my wife even when my flesh doesn't want to. That's a totally, let's see, that's a totally different dynamic. See, right now, if you're a boyfriend, girlfriend, you're like, everything is cute. Everything, oh, it's so cute. Look what he did. Look what he bought me. It wasn't the hamburger that I wanted. But it was still so cute. I love you. I know you forgot the fries, but I love you. Don't worry, you'll get the fries next time. That's that boyfriend-girlfriend. You get married, (laughs) where's the fries? You forgot the fries. Don't come home without the fries. I don't care. Give me the fries. (laughs) That was the guy right there. That wasn't the girl. That was the guy right there. because love changes one day yay the next day no and God's saying look if you're going to continue to look for your spouse to be perfect you're, you've already messed up if you're looking for them to be your final source you've messed up your spouse is going to fail you your check is going to fail you your car is going to fail you your job is going to fail you your guess what your family is going to fail you your mom's going to fail you Your dad's going to fail you. They're they're, going to fail you. But when you understand who your source is, it changes everything around you to know that, God, I look to you for my hope. My eternal glory of hope is in you. I set my eyes to the hills for you. It comes from you and you alone. His hope changes everything. I want every head bowed and every eye closed. Every head bowed and every eye closed. It changes the transformations of even our hearts. With every head bowed and every eye closed here, if you're here this morning and you've been going through a few things and you've been having a a few mess-ups and hang-ups, even at your job, You've been going through it at your job, and you've been feeling a certain way. Man, I don't know if I could do this anymore. Some of you just feel like maybe giving up, maybe not just with your job, but even with other stuff, and you feel like all hope is lost. I want to give you an opportunity to change where your eyes are. Don't look to your husband. Don't look to your wife. Don't look to your job. Don't look at your bank account. Don't look anywhere else. I want to give you an opportunity to turn your eyes to Christ. With every head bowed and every eye closed, and you're here this morning, and you're saying, you know what, Pastor, I've never met you. I don't know you. I've heard of you. But I'm not here for you. And I'm going to say you're absolutely right. But you're here because you want to get to know Christ. And Christ, who knows everything already about you, is looking. Right at you saying, my son, my daughter, if you would just look to me, you'll see the resource is something different. With every head and every eye closed, and you're here this morning, and maybe you're going—I th- don't know the trial you're going through. I don't know the circumstance you're going through. But if you're here this morning and you're saying, "You know what? I-, I just need a little bit of hope. I need a little ounce of hope." If you can use even a little ounce of hope within your situation, on the count of three, I want you to stand to your feet. One, two, three. Right here, right now. Just stand to your feet. If that's you, I don't know your situation. I don't know what you're going through. I don't even know what you're feeling. But I know one thing: you need a little ounce of hope. Just a little ounce of hope where you're saying you know what I need Christ in my situation I've been going through a few things I've been feeling a certain way I've been having all these mixed feelings I've been having all these emotions but I want to look to Christ no matter what I'm going through the world will not give me a value system the world will not dictate my life I want to look to Christ now for those of you that are standing as we begin to sing this song I want you to do one more thing I want you to get out of your seat from wherever you're at come to this altar and we're to pray right now. Come on, I want to pray with you. Come on, get out of your seat. Come to this altar. Come to the front right here. Wherever it's at, stand right here. Just stand right here.